dancing to people. Actually, for one thing, they're going to be dancing to people that can't really see them while they're playing. So uh, obviously, the, the, they're dancing to the music. So you can't follow them in the same way that you follow a singer. As a rule, you have to keep in mind that they need structure. You can't see them, so they know where the music is. They need to know where the music is. That's, in a way, your primary responsibility is a structural responsibility. Welcome back to The Piano Pod. I am your host, Yukimi Song. Thanks for tuning in for the second half of Season 3, Episode 15 with a guest, Dr. Alan Moverman, piano soloist at New York City Ballet. In Part 2, you will get to hear Alan's take on what makes someone to be the greatest ballet pianist and what it's like to work with world-renowned dancers and choreographers at New York City Ballet and more. Before continuing the show, I want to welcome everybody listening to the Piano Pod for the first time. I'm a classical pianist and educator from New York City, passionate about creating a thriving and meaningful community of the classical music industry through this podcast. Please visit yukimisongstudio.com to find out more about my work. In each episode of the Piano Pod, I interview a guest speaker who has been breaking exciting new ground in the industry. Please rate the show and review it on your favorite podcasting platform because every rating review will help people find my show. So my friends, here is part two of the Piano Pause, season three, episode 15 with Alan Moverman. Please enjoy the show. Our old boss, Gordon, who was one of the, probably one of the great ballet pianists in history, Gordon Belsner, was Balanchine's kind of right-hand man. He was, a, he was the man at the piano when Balanchine choreographed all the masterpieces, mm-hmm. Nutcracker, and, well, not Nutcracker, but he was a little after that time, but all these Stravinsky, you know, it was Gordon, Stravinsky, and Balanchine sitting in the room. What makes them, these people, the great ballet pianists and okay. soloists? Well, well um, we, the music we do is really hard. So, so you, you, you kind of have to be a concert-level pianist of course, yeah. to play here, mm-hmm. more or less. I mean, that doesn't mean you're Andras Schiff, but, but you, you have to, you know, have gone pretty far, you know, played big recitals. And, and so Gordon was a wonderful pianist. That was the start. He was a supremely gifted, uh, beautiful sound, you know, warm, approachable, fantastic technique, you know, immaculate kind of musical thinking. He was a student of Michelangeli. And also, but in a way, something that is maybe a little like me in a certain way, he was a um, composition of student of John Cage. Wow. He had like this kind of funky, creative, cool aspect to him that was, that opened him up, you Mm. know. He would talk about David Lynch movies and, you know, all these, he had all these interests that were so interesting. And so he was an amazing pianist, but he was also like a, a wide ranging person. And he, he never would have been satisfied, I don't think, with just struggling with, you know, fine-tuning his Beethoven sonata. I don't think that was his, he, you know, it's, he wanted to be more with people, I think. And that, I think you have to be not so, maybe not so single-minded about piano. But to play here, you have to start with being basically concert-level pianist. I mean, one of our pianists now, Steve Gosling, he's probably one of the 10 greatest performers of contemporary music in the world. He's incredible. I mean, he, you know, he's has like 
30 records and you know he's played all you know this impossible music and, <laughs> wow. you know uh, Adis and uh, crazy stuff um, you know Stockhouse and all all the stuff and, uh, and and we've had really Susan Walters who was one of our pianists she's a fantastic pianist um, Elaine Chelton so anyway you have to be a good pianist and but then you have to have this little you have to be a good musician if you have to choose between the two it's probably better to be a little bit, if you can even divide these things, which is hard, a little better musician than you are a pianist. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to care more about the music than you care about being Mr. Perfect, mm. which is kind of a relief in a certain way. If you think about it, it's music is fun. It sounds like also being musician requires more flexibility, versatility. It's not just about what's on the score, but you also have to read the room, what's going on on the you exactly. Know, mm. Read the room is a really good skill. Read the room is is saying a lot. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that yesterday in my rehearsal because I was playing serenade and I was thinking, oh well. The ballet uh, rehearsal director said, "Oh, it's too, it's too fast. They're they're just remembering it." And but it's hard because I was at this part in the music which I have trouble playing, and so I was like, "Is it me or is it?" <laughs> <laughs> which happens every day. So at that point, you have to make a decision. You have to decide: Am I going to? slow down my tempo or if I'm going to slow down you also have to a little bit ask yourself was I actually wrong mm-hmm. or were they wrong it's important to keep your your sense your center you know like you can change for them but still think they were wrong it wasn't too fast maybe right. it wasn't too fast mm-hmm. maybe the dancer because sometimes they get behind you know they're doing fine for a while then they uh, are have trouble with the step and they're like oh it's too fast so what are you then if she's like oh maybe I rush, you know, and they, they can say you're rushing when you're, sometimes you're not rushing. Sometimes you are. <laughs> right. Yeah. Pianists, <laughs> we all tend to rush. Yes. Yeah. 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 Now, in your bio, you were saying that you worked with this amazing, the most celebrated choreographers, such as Alexei Ratmansky, Jerome Robbins, Justin Peck, and all the, the wonderful, wonderful choreographers. So, even I know of, I've, I've heard of Jerome Robbins, the name, and also he did the choreograph for West Side Story. So you worked yeah. with him. Can you tell us how was it like to work with this amazing choreographer? Well, I mean, all right, I have to say I worked with him at the very end of his life. And uh, I don't think I really experienced the full Jerry Robbins. Mm-hmm. He was uh, famously hard to work with and critical, you know, unbelievably critical, apparently. It was, a, it was a different time. It was an old school. I'm sure things that were done in those days would not have been done the same way now. Um, but uh, by the time I worked with him, he just left me alone because I don't think he had enough energy <laughs> to bother with me. And... Uh, you know, I I was the pianist for, uh, or one of the two pianists for choreographing his last ballet, which was Brandenburg. And I also worked with him on a couple other pieces, but that was my main experience as to uh, movements from uh, several Brandenburg concertos. Mm-hmm. 
and a couple other pieces I think that aren't in Brandenburg Concertos. So I don't I don't have any of the great stories. You oh. can read the biography and tell the great stories, and but he he was famously difficult. But the the only the only funny thing I remember I remember two really funny things about him. One was that you know to give you an idea of how I stacked up in his hierarchy of people in his life. Even though I spent, you know, probably 30 hours with the guy, he'd just say, hey, you, play. (laughs) (laughs) And and so I'd play, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, apparently he thought I was okay. He told the the people on the fourth floor, oh, he's okay. I was, I had only just started. I think I had only, I think I had only played for four months. Then I rehearsed uh, another couple things, uh, suite of dances. I played the, which is actually a Bach cello suites, but I, we rehearsed it on piano, and then we brought in uh, Wendy Sutter to play it. At that time, it was Wendy. Uh, now it's Ann Kim a lot. So that was funny. But I remember I had one moment with him where he was sitting at the piano next to me on the stage of the theater here. We're at the Coke Theater here. And he was just playing some notes, and he just started reminiscing how he used to play the piano and it was it was kind of sweet he was in his mid-70s then and i don't think he quite made 80 i'm not sure but people he he was a stressful guy but um obviously a genius i think i should say uh for the people who aren't ballet fans but might be interested in going and checking out he had he created a special kind of intimacy on stage between the piano and the dancers in his piano ballets. In particular, the Chopin, also this Tchaikovsky piece. It's, it's really hard to define, but you, you kind of have to see it. But it was like this, this kind of very almost quiet theatrical space that you'd feel between the solo pianist and the, the dancers. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that one of his, I know this for a fact, that one of his inspirations was the ballet studio itself. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you, the connection, I'm sure you felt being playing for dance classes mm-hmm. at some point, anyone who's played knows that there can be a special quality in the room. And he was able to do something like that with these Chopin pieces. What was interesting is they often had no set. They were often just dancers on stage and piano, kind of pared down, you know. You know, and and uh, had a particular quality. And even in the fast pieces, like, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, just a, a, it was very special. It was very, very special. Different, totally different than Balanchine. Mm. All choreographers have a different relationship with music. Some people illustrate the music more, like lead the audience to understand the music. Some composers respond to the music with their own, how do I, okay, here's the music, how do I feel about this, what I, this thing I'm confronting? Like, so they could have beautiful music and they could even express something angry sometimes. Maybe they're like, well, I didn't get any of that. (laughs) 
let's talk about New York City Ballet. How exciting is that the, this ballet company is? And you've been working for them for 20 years, uh, 28 years. 20, 28, I think, yeah. Uh, and uh, what's so special about this ballet company? Well, it's just, I mean, it's just got a lot of great dancers. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's the top uh, or one of the very tops. And they're just wonderful. Um, and that's, that's the main thing. And then we've had the best choreographers here. I mean, there are other great choreographers, but we've had probably the main ones. Mm -hmm. Robbins, Balanchine, complete genius. I mean, Balanchine, without, without Balanchine, a lot of those Stravinsky scores, in my view, don't even really work. That, one of the most interesting things about Balanchine, um, there are a lot of interesting things, but there's some music that almost needs the dance. Mm -hmm. And not right of spring, and not really Petrushka, but you get Stravinsky post 1930. The dance helps. It helps you. It, it, without the dance, there's something about it that I mean. Why do great orchestras not play all that music? Very rare to hear even a performance of Symphony in Three Movements, which is an exciting piece, dramatic. Hardly ever. We play it here. When you see it with the dance. You know, it puts you right back into the, you know, you're, you're there in World War II and the boats are floating around the Pacific and, you know, there's bombs flying and, you know, wow. it, it just helps. It's, but it's not, a, somehow Stravinsky sometimes is not enough. It's like there's something suggested that maybe is not fully realized. But, but uh, still, it's great. It's great stuff. We do tons and tons. I can't tell you how many Stravinsky pieces. Yeah. Uh, but and, how, and, many, how many programs do you have at New York City well, Ballet? Well, I mean, different seasons are different. Right, right, right. I mean, and, you know, believe it or not, we used to do seasons regularly with 50 ballets, 50 full-length ballets a season. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it was insane. You know, that, that also had to do with the fact that, you know, the subscribers wanted to see the great Balanchine ballets. They were just hungry to see them. And some of them, honestly, were sometimes like kind of thrown on. You know, they, you know the dance, our dancers are really fast. I've sat in the piano room in like Tivoli Concert Hall in Denmark. You know, someone gets injured. A principal dancer, I, Joaquin, uh, learned... Uh, Judicart by Stravinsky, one of the most complicated Stravinsky scores. He learned this principal role in five hours and went and performed it that night. You know, and you know, we just we just hacked away at it all afternoon. And, uh, you know, he he did it. It was great, and uh, that happens not infrequently. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, too much repertoire, but but um, tons and tons and tons of great stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, you should see. I, you should see the music cabinet in, in the music room. I should bring you into the music room and just take out the scores. You know, what, what's there would just, I mean, you know, there's Webern scores, there's, you know, there's scores by all these great living composers. There's like, you know, 10 Philip Glass scores. There, you know, there's, uh, I just can't even tell you. There's, you know, John Adams was here for a while. We, we, we play like three. I think we play five John Adams scores. I play uh, often uh, Hallelujah Junction for two pianos. Mm -hmm. which you should play it if, if you like that sort of thing. It's, it's really one of his best pieces. It's really fantastic fun. And, and 
beautiful. We do fearful symmetries. We do uh, harmony, harmony Lier, huge pieces. And, you know, like, for example, we play fearful symmetries. We play it on the piano in the rehearsals. I mean, I haven't played it in 15 years, but I, I you know, play the whole, you know, 30 minutes of John Adams, you know, it gets really hard. Wow, but so many different repertoire that you got, you are using in the ballet. That's it's fun. It's fun. If it you're is. if you're that kind of musician, you should definitely work here. You should definitely and 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 if you're if you're someone who just likes music and is has a lot of facility at the piano and like it's. You know, they need you. These days, people get really like piano is so hard, and people really get into their box. Right. And 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 I know that the the new generations are expanding a lot. Even a lot of classical musicians improvise a little bit now. Oh yeah! Um, oh yeah! Mm-hmm. It's changed. I mean, it used to be when I was in Juilliard, it was like holy holy cow! You know, it's unbelievable! You know. Yeah. You know, like you just, you know, every practice room, you know, like people are trying to get those fingers moving. And yeah, it's good. You know, if that's what you want to do, great. Right. And but I think we need to talk about how we're going to bring this industry forward. Right. So then especially this post pandemic era. And then you mentioned as pianists, we tend to be in the room practicing all the time and not communicating with others, not collaborating with others. But that sort of culture has to change. I know we have to practice on our own, but your job, your career is all about working with others, working with people in the people. And that's something that um, I want to encourage new generations to experience. And, you know, don't just get stuck in the practice room all day, but experience the life. And that's how you experience music, too. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Hey, TPP friends and listeners. The Piano Pod is in its third season. Thanks to all of you for watching or listening to every episode since its launch in 2020. I started this show with a simple question I had in mind for quite some time, which is how can we as classical pianists and music educators present the beautiful classical music tradition to the 21st century audience in a fun? And contemporary and stylish and engaging way. It's been an incredible journey for the last three years, and I love what I do through this podcast, providing a platform for pianists and educators to reflect and discuss freely how we can keep the classical music industry thriving and relevant in this rapidly changing world. Now more than ever, I need your support so that I can continue my work by bringing you highly valuable content bi weekly by interviewing groundbreakers in the industry. Your support will go directly to all the costs of the piano pod. You can make a one time donation or monthly pledge by clicking the PayPal link in the show notes or going to the piano pod's website at thepianopod.com. As a thank you, you will receive the piano pod's fun logo sticker in the mail. So please support my show today and don't forget to subscribe and continue listening and tell your friends and colleagues about the piano pod. Let's continue with the episode. So, 
Let's talk about your career and life outside of New York City Ballet. So you have this ongoing project with a painter. Uh, right. Uh, her name is Karen? Kapke. Kapke, okay. Uh, well, years ago, I decided to uh, focus my energies outside the ballet, my energies that had to do with me as a recitalist. I decided to, f to focus it on late works pieces that composers wrote in, toward the end of their lives. And I was inspired by a book called Late Style by Edward Said, who's a philosopher, uh, was a philosopher at Columbia, and it was very famous as in that field. And he was also a friend of Daniel Berenbaum. Oh. Uh, he was very involved with Israeli-Palestinian issues. And uh, in fact, that was, I think, the basis of how they got together because uh, Daniel Berenbaum was Israeli mm -hmm. and uh, Saeed was Palestinian. And, and I think that he may have had to do with the founding of this East-West orchestra that exists where they have Palestinians and Israelis play together. They've done shows around the world. Anyway, he's a, very interesting, and he wrote about late Beethoven and late Strauss and late Mozart. So my project is to learn and perform the last three Beethoven sonatas, the last three Schubert sonatas, and the uh, Prokofiev war sonatas, but I don't like the sixth sonata that much. Oh, so, no. So I'm not going to do it. Okay. And uh, I, I don't think I'm going to do it. Um, and so I substitute the, uh, the Copland Piano Fantasy, which is a very late Copland work. Mm -hmm. It always meant a lot to me. So based on those pieces and surrounding them with lots of other pieces, late Ligeti, late Ligeti Etudes, late Arvo Parrot pieces, uh, Philip Glass Etudes are fairly late. I play those. So that's the, the music part of the project. And then Karen created paintings as a result of our conversations about the music. And we've done three of these recitals slash art exhibitions. You can see, when you see, hear me playing the Copeland Fantasy, you can see there are people sitting on the right and left of me, and there are paintings behind them. And then in back of the piano is a projection of the painting that is the Copeland Piano Fantasy painting, but the other paintings actually were from other parts of the recital and had been projected onto the wall, onto uh, the screen. You know, when I played the other pieces, I played a Bach piece and I played uh, Opus 111 and, and even a Bill Evans transcription, transcription of jazz, uh, oh, wow. jazz solo, and she painted that as well. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a perfect example of what we did. And then, so we did that in different places. Um, you know, three, three recitals. They're very complicated to put together. You know, especially, uh, as most musicians know, when you do these things, you know, there's 
my job is at New York City Ballet is very satisfying, but when I do these other things, there's there's no management, there's no there's no stage manager to greet me. Everything is, you know, there's no one to make my programs. Right. You have to embrace it if you want to do those things, and and I have. I get inspired by maybe this is too heady, but there was a great visual artist, uh, conceptual artist named Christo. He died recently. Maybe you know him. He, he made environmental art. They, I think they called it that, something like that. It's kind of a silly name. But, but he would, years ago, he made something called um, the Gates in Central Park. I think maybe before you were born. But, <laughs> but uh, I mean, my daughter was like two when, 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 when he did it. Mm-hmm. And, and what he did is all the paths of Penn Central Park, there were, there were like these kind of curtains mm-hmm. that, that fell over the path and on these little metal constructions and they were orange and it was very beautiful and it was through the whole park and he did this all over the place he did it in the mountains of california he did it in japan different things not kurt and he was very, really great and he said that the thing that interested him was how he had to work through the bureaucracy mm. to get the permits and right. and it wasn't just the art it was about the process of producing the art so I like to think when I get depressed that I have to call too many people on the phone. When I do my own projects, I like to think idealistically that you're really in the world. You're finding out how 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 things work. You know, you're you're relating to people. You're you're talking to secretaries. You're talking to you know heads of opera opera America. You know, you're, you've got to be you've got to be personable. You want to work together with them and, and enter these other worlds that are a little more cut and dry. Right. So so I it's a challenge, but it's it's an interesting challenge. And, you know, ultimately, if we can't operate in the world, you know, no matter how high our ideals, it's very important to be able to operate in the world in a way that's consistent with your values, not to not sell out, but as an act of um, connection and and uh, even being generous to yourself, you want to you want to feel that you're connected and you have a meaningful way of interacting with colleagues, with with your bosses. All these things are, I mean, really important. And and I do think that, and maybe I get this a little bit from Gil Kalish because Gil Kalish was, you know, is like super super mensch. You know, like super great guy, you know, like he was a musician, but he was like, everyone said, oh, you Gil, he was like a regular guy, you know, but he was, he was very, you could tell that he paid a lot of attention to people. And that was like the main thing he taught us. You know, it's just, it's not just about you and your piano playing, you know, it's about, it's about more than that and, and your life. And that's a really important thing, mm-hmm. no matter who you are, no matter where your gift placed you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You want to have a good life, and generally, it makes it easier to communicate something so precious if you have, you know, if your environment is fulfilled in a way, full. Absolutely, you know? and then you're really living the beautiful life, surrounded by people, and then surrounded by beautiful art. And now, do you plan to do this project with the painter Karen? Um, I think we might be done with the paintings, actually. Okay. Uh, we, now I'm looking for, um, maybe you know somebody, I'm looking for actors. Okay. To recite poetry. 
and probably I'll bring it all together. But I, I, you know, this is one of my things is what I was talking about about dance is that I think when there's another medium that's set against music, it helps the audience. You know, I'm very frustrated because I like some very esoteric music like late Beethoven and stuff, but I want the audience to get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want them to enjoy it. I don't want them to think, oh, that sounds really complicated. Right. But, you know, and, and so when they have a painting or like in the Copeland or in the Beethoven, you know, they, they have this painting of, of uh, what I think is, is a picture of a kind of feminist message, actually, of uh, disturbance, you know, health. You know, it's it's somehow it it helps the audience. They connect. Oh, this is disturbing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'm not. It's not. It's not. It's not beautiful. It's 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 beautiful in its disturbingness. Right. 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 You know, and and so you see a painting in other art forms. People understand that, mm. but in music, sometimes people all they just want everything to be beautiful. You know. And, yeah, everything to be pretty, right? Pretty, yeah, pretty. Pretty, uh, yes. Yeah. Right, we, mean, we, we want to stay away from prettiness. We, we, well, we... a little prettiness is okay. <laughs> if that, you know, like Foray has a lot of prettiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's or, right. But uh, on a high level. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we need grotesque in beauty, right? So Absolutely. Yeah. Otherwise, nothing means anything. Right. Otherwise, there is no beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. Um, and that's what's great about collaborating with other art forms. So you get it. I mean, it's just, and it's, it's just such a damn relief, too. Because it's like, you know, you just, you want to play these solo pieces. But, you know, you, you, you're not, most of us are not famous pianists. Mm-hmm you know, who get to play them many, many times. You want to make it special for yourself and you want to make it an event for your audience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, otherwise, it's just, it's not fun. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and Thank you for really sharing your wisdom. So I want to promote New York City Ballet and is there anything that you want to say about upcoming events or program? Well, we're having the spring season coming up that starts in April late April um, the great thing about New York City Ballet now is we have gotten Alexei Ratmansky as our uh, artist in residence Alexei is you know along with Justin Peck who's really amazing he, he actually did the new West Side Story movie he was the choreographer um, but um, uh, Alexei is arguably the greatest choreographer of our time in my opinion and in a lot of people think that he is so great he is just so great and he also choreographs really great music to really like Shostakovich concertos and and things and we are just so fortunate to have him coming here you know this is the company of Balanchine and Robbins and 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 Alexi is a, a really, and, and Justin too, but Alexi is, I mean, getting him is just a wonderful thing for everyone. Okay. The dancers in particular, they, they love working with great choreographers like Justin and Alexi. They, they, they just love it. You know, it's like when you worked with your greatest piano teacher ever, you know, like mm-hmm. Leon Fleischer or whoever mm-hmm. you 
played for, you know, like that's that's the way they feel when they're in the studio with Alexi. Wow, wow. You know, so that and that's what you want them to have. Mm-hmm. You, know, yeah. you want that for them. Wow. Um, so for those who are listening and watching, please visit www.nycballet.com. Uh, to uh, learn more about New York City Ballet and their programs and their uh, new season coming up in late April. So this has been really fun and inspiring conversation, Alan. And I uh, unfortunately, I have to let you go very soon because your rehearsal is coming up. But before I let you go, we have one more thing to do. It's called the Piano Pod Rapid Fire Questions. I didn't warn you, but this is part of the show where I get to ask fun questions to each guest. Now, here's a little warning. As silly as these questions may sound, your answers may reveal who you truly are. So, oh, that's, <laughs> yes. Well, I'm pretty good at hiding that, so you'll... <laughs> okay, good. So, please <laughs> answer them with the shortest responses as possible and no, oh, really yes, no explanation needed, okay? Oh, God. All right. So question number one, what is your comfort food? The restaurant across the way from uh, us, it's, it's a kind of uh, African-influenced restaurant in, in, in the new renovated David Geffen Mall. Uh-huh. Anything they have there is my comfort food. Great. I need to try. I need to try that. Now, how do you like your coffee? Uh, with half and half and no sugar. <laughs> Sounds great. Or, or in Starbucks, uh, what do they say? Uh, a, a light splash. Light sp- Cats or dogs? Both. What is your word or words to live by? Freedom. What is the most important quality you look for in other people? Understanding. Mm. Name three people who inspire you, living or dead. Abraham Lincoln, Schubert, Ratmansky. Sounds good. Name one piece in your current playlist. Horace Silver's song for my father. It's a jazz. So last question. Fill in the blank. Music is blank. Fulfillment. Yay. Ding, ding, ding. You won. (laughs) Thank you so much, Alan, for really joining here today. Thank you, Yukimi. I really appreciate the opportunity to share these things with you. And and I hope that, uh, you know, everyone will find a a good path for themselves uh, either as professional musicians or transforming that dream into something beautiful Mm. well said so this concludes the episode of the piano pod thank you once again alan for joining my show today and sharing your stories and insights and expertise and you can find more information about new york city ballet please visit nycballet.com And thank you to my wonderful audience and fans for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review it on whatever podcasting platform you use. If you're watching us on YouTube, remember to hit the thumbs up button and subscribe to my channel. You can also find my show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. The links are listed in the show notes. I will see you for the next episode of The Piano Pod. Bye, everyone, and thank you, Alan. Bye.